This is Habit Aware's Love, Strength, and Awareness podcast. I'm Anila, and today I have the honor of talking with Christina Pearson. Christina is full of wisdom, warmth, and love, and you need to know her story because it's thanks to her for bringing the BFRB community together. Born out of Christina's painful relationship with trichotillomania, in 1990, she started a nonprofit that is now known as the TLC Foundation for Body-Focused Repetitive Behaviors. Christina now runs the Heart and Soul Academy to help people with BFRBs find their path to healing. In this episode, Christina shares her journey with trichotillomania as a young girl and how she turned inward to finally find recovery decades later. I hope you are as inspired as I am by Christina Pearson's story. I was 13 years old and I was reading a book in the living room. It was like about 2 a.m. And I reached over to put the book down and I saw this pile of hair and it was mine. And I was really stunned because I was like, what is that? I was like, oh my God, that's my hair. I pulled it out. And so some 15 years of my life or maybe 20, I really felt like I lived in an altered universe because I must be the most effective the most disgusting, revolting person, because not only did I pull my hair out, I would eat the ends. And I thought, I can't share that with anyone. And I didn't. And uh, it wasn't until I was 33 that I found out there was even a name for it and that there might be one other person who did this. So I get this phone call, I'm at work, I'm running a small telecommunications business, I'm 33 years old, I've just bought a new house, I'm you know, trying to build the company, and my mother calls and says, remember that thing you used to do? I said, no, what are you talking about? She says, you know, you used to pull your hair? Of course, I was, as I was speaking to her, I was missing about 45% of the hair on my head. But I had hidden it from her, of course, for years because it was so devastating when she first discovered it. She says, well, there's a name for it, and I just wanted you to know, and I wrote it down because she couldn't say it. She spelled it out for me, and the first thing I thought was trichotillomania. What a dumb name. That was my first thought because of the mania. When I got off the phone, I rushed down to the local library and looked for that article. It was in the August 1989 Journal of the American Medical Association. I read it and it was like a kick in the stomach because I was so excited to find out that there was not only a name for the disorder, but there were doctors that were looking at it. But what I felt when I read that article was it basically said prognosis was poor, there was a minimal but slightly okay response to this particular med. Well, much, much more research is needed. And I was like, what? They don't have an answer for me? At the time, I was four years sober, just getting close to four years sober. In my 20s, I had found that if I drank a lot of gin, gin, straight gin, I could knock myself out not just blackout, where I might go out and do something foolish, but knock myself out. Well, I wouldn't pull my hair. So I was trying to self-medicate the pulling away, and it didn't work. It just got me worse into trouble with chemicals. Right. So I got sober at the age of 30, 33. I find out there's a name, 
And then I find out that there's really no treatment and there's no medication that's been indicated for it. And there still isn't. And I thought to myself, well, that's what they used to say about alcoholics. We were untreatable. And I'm sober today as a result of other people sharing their strength, experience, and hope. And that in taking that information to heart, my life is different. And I think this can happen with hair pulling. I called a woman named Audrey who was running an OCD group in my area and asked her if she had any people that pulled their hair, picked their skin. She said, well, they don't really do well in our group. I said, okay, I'll set up a group. Send me any pullers, pickers. And she said, okay. But then like a couple weeks later, hear this, I get this recording. It's a recording and it's a woman. And she says, my name is Janelle Fiorito. And I'm from KOMO Channel 4 News in mm -hmm. Seattle. We'd like to know, we understand you have trichotillomania and might be willing to talk about it. Please call me at this number. Well, my whole world was shot because I was like, how do they know? And how do they know my deepest, darkest secret? And they're calling me from a news station. And I was like, what? But it turned out that because I had been in touch with the OCD woman and anyway, calls had gone around the country. So I did this little TV show. I took a telephone number with me and I said, okay, here's a hotline. I came home that night to over 600 messages, people crying, sobbing, saying their lives had been ruined and they needed help. And I started calling people back. And that week I spent over a thousand dollars calling people because those days you didn't have national plans. By the end of the week, I was so shocked, so altered by the experience of hearing my life come out of other people's mouths. I cried so hard that it seemed to take me to a place of release where I was began to release pain that had nothing to do with that. It just was this huge cataclysmic release. I went home and all I could do was crawl into bed. It was the middle of the afternoon. I crawled into bed and I had a vision and it was phenomenal. And I, it was like I looked down into my own nervous system and saw this miracle unfolding. And then I lifted my head and I looked around and I saw all these stars. I was like in outer space. It was really wild. And they were these brilliant stars. And I looked around and I said, oh, my gosh. They're just like me. And that's you. That's you guys. That's mm -hmm. the BFRB mm -hmm. community. And in that moment, I knew. I was like, oh my God, I've got to make a pathway for this to unfold. So I set up TLC because I thought that the first step in dealing with something that was so ridiculed and nobody wanted to talk about was creating an institution that would be viable. And the reason I named it TLC or Trichotillomania Learning Center was because I understood that Underneath this problem, there's a huge reservoir of love, mm -hmm. love, yeah. and that that has to be acknowledged, freed, along with the grieving that needs to occur, and that will help us move forward. So I used that acronym because I wanted people to, what do you call it, consciously have yeah. that connection. Yeah. 
for sure. So I did, and I said I'd give it 20 years, and then I'd reevaluate if I was still needed. That's it. You know, I, I was very, very motivated to see something change because I did not want the next generation to go through what I had gone through. And I think that I really, I talked to specialists all over the country in all different kinds of fields. Um, and those that were interested in, in these disorders, I asked them if they would be on our scientific advisory board. And every single one said yes. The um, amazing thing, though, was that nobody could give me real answers. Nobody right. seemed to be able to help me. So I said to myself, well, I guess I'm just going to have to learn this myself from the inside out. And what that meant was I began to watch myself, watch myself all the time. And I stumbled into what is called being mindful. You know, I'd been exposed to meditation and all kinds of different states of being, you might say, but I'd never really done any serious investigation. By watching, by observing non-judgmentally, and it, it allowed my inside awareness to slow down to the point where I began to see See, because this is kind of what happens. You have your stimulus, stimulus, and you have your response. And the way they feel is they're so automatic that there's no, there's no space. But the truth is there is a space. There's infinite space between everything that we do. By the time that I stopped pulling, which was through this whole process of becoming much more mindful. I tried lots of medications. I tried all kinds of therapies. I tried a lot of things. But the bottom line was, is that I had to come to terms with, it was my decision, mm -hmm. my decision to pull every single time. But I didn't understand that because I wasn't aware of it. Right. People will say it's a disorder, not a decision. And that's, which is an interesting take, which is, you know, it's my brain making me do this. But to your point, right, it's if you can take that moment of pause, then you have the control to choose. Then you do have that control to decide. And and you know what? You may not have that in the beginning. I didn't. Yep. Yeah. And it takes time you know, to, to develop. build that up. Yeah, to develop it. So, but the, here's here's the thing. Because our our brain is neurologically so plastic that there are some things you cannot change, but around awareness itself is probably the greatest individual tool we have. Okay. And your nervous system as Dr. John Kabat-Zinn likes to say, he says, it's the greatest laboratory you'll ever have to experiment in your own nervous system. And rarely do people stop and just be to investigate what is happening within them. It, here, here's what I learned. I needed to understand that an urge would come at any time. I needed to understand that I was not prepared in those 
seductive moments when the urges to engage would just come up and I'd be like, of course, I, of course I got to pull because it scratches the itch. But in, in acknowledging that an urge could come up at any moment, that meant I had to be present in any moment. And I came to discover that the more willing I was to get back to basics in awareness terms, the less the urges needed to arise and that the more willing I was to walk through them, really walk through them. In, in fact, at, there came a point where I was like, okay, come on, I'm ready for you. Right. And you have to remember, I would spend an average of six hours a day. like. <laughs> yeah. But by being more aware sort of all the time, right? Heightened your awareness, heightened your presence all the time it reduced the urges because you were more in the present moment, which means your mind wasn't somewhere else. And here's what I also learned. My urges don't respond to my logical thoughts. I can tell myself, I can, you cannot think your way out of this. You have to behave your way out, but you also need to have the cognitive understanding of what you are doing. So with intentional conscious movement, I started changing my behaviors and my intention was to be free of the entrapment, not because of shame anymore, but because it just took too much of my time. Right. The, the, what I know is this, is that once I learned that it was about my emotional translation into behavior, and then I began to give myself the permission to experience what was actually arising without responding. Because, you know, when you get anger or anxiety, it's always a feeling that you have to do something because that's right. the nature of those, those emotions. But the truth is you don't have to do anything. And if you don't act it out, you discover things by going a little deeper. And what I found was that my nervous system over time, it expanded its ability to tolerate what used to be intolerable to me. So Can I've you give an example? Through, yeah. Walking through leaving TLC, worst experience of my life. Absolutely. It was like losing a baby, my baby. And I was suddenly a ghost and I couldn't communicate with my baby. And that's how it felt. And my heart was shattered for many reasons and it triggered every abandonment issue I had every self-value issue I had and I did not pull I did not pink pull pick my skin and I did not get loaded and I learned something I learned that humans are humans we all make mistakes we're all incredibly fallible and that the miracle of life itself needs to be celebrated and also grieved. We are, we live in a culture that does not allow us to grieve fully. It does not. Oh, don't feel that way. Oh, oh, your grandma died. No, don't be wailing in the street. Yeah, you can cry in the back room, but you can't walk down the street with tears on your face because that's not socially acceptable. Why not? What I learned is that great love deserves great grief and TLC was born out of great love so when it left my domain 
the grief was overwhelming. And now, now I'm just trying to engage in where that's taking me, which is someplace very exciting. Yeah. And are you willing to share more about what you're working on? And, and mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. You know, so, you know, I teach these online classes and I've taken a break so I could write a couple books and I'm writing a workbook on the process. I call it mindfulness based impulse reduction. That's what that's what has worked for me. And, you know, I take Prozac. I still take because it does help with my depression. People say, oh, you can't take that and be pure. I'm like, pure? What is pure? Because ultimately, who am I to say in what form relief will come? You, if you try to presuppose or make assumptions about how your own recovery will unfold, uh, you'll probably be a while. Yeah. And that, um, so it is about throwing out old assumptions. Yeah. You need that open-mindedness. Yes, that's that's one. Mm -hmm. Patience, willingness, transition tools, acceptance, you know, all the classic stuff. Um, being willing to practice. And this is where something like Keen comes in. Keen is part of a multi-level approach to learning about what is happening in your world. Yes, inside and outside now see i i really get that and i yes. commend you so much because i've practiced being willing and i am ready to engage impulses no matter what or when i have decades of strong recovery and that's different because it steps over it steps over some of the stuff of i need somebody else to fix me I need to be open to learning from other people, but ultimately I'm the one who takes the responsibility for my own recovery. Really. And that, that, that pushes buttons sometimes. So, mm -hmm. but, so I have a workbook coming out and I have a story about the evolution of TLC. Uh, and then I'm also working on a kind of semi memoir about my personal life. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. That's awesome. Thank you for being so willing to be a voice of support for anyone going through this from the 90s till today. You, you really... Hey, we're all in it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you're, all of your time and your energy and your passion and your understanding for what this behavior is and how people can, can sort of find their way to... A place of compassion with themselves and understanding. I, I think it's just you've just done such a tremendous job. It's it's been an honor. It's been an honor. Thank you all for taking time to listen to Christina's inspiring story and wisdom. If you are in need of more soul-fueling stories or tips for overcoming compulsive hair pulling, skin picking, or nail biting, please check us out at habitaware.com blog. And be sure to subscribe to get notified for the release of the next Habitaware Love, Strength, and Awareness podcast.